You're listening to the Kings Cast podcast. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Kingscast. Like on Facebook and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Kings Cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. Uh, Ryan and I are coming off of a really fun episode just last week where we came on after a couple games and kind of gave our assessment um, on the Kings and kind of some takes that we had going into the season how they might have changed if you're looking for that episode and any of our other episodes you can always find those streaming wherever you get your podcasts uh, bringing in my co-host today as always ryan what's good what is going on today's halloween everybody for for those of you guys wondering when we're recording it is halloween morning um i'm excited today it's my son's first halloween um we are going as uh, Ricky Bobby and Cal Norton. So uh, little guys, Cal, and I'm um, of course Ricky Bobby. And uh, he's he's he, the reason we did this is he's really into cars. He has this thing we call the vroom vroom, and you push him around in it, and he freaking loves it. He hits the horn and shit. So I put some Old Spice stickers on it, got him the Old Spice uh, jumpsuit, and I, I'm Wonder Bread. And of course, I got a pack of Big Red because if you don't like Big Red, then fuck you. And uh, I'm going to go get some candy. It's going to be a great time. So I'm, I'm really pumped up for the first time in a long time for Halloween. So, uh, yeah, man. Halloween is is uh, more is more is cool when you got kids. I think I don't got kids, so it's not as cool for me right now. But I'm looking forward to that. Good, good uh, selection. Um, so, Ryan, we got uh, one of our favorite, probably our most favorite episodes that we do. It's our Kingsland series. T- today, we're coming at you with Kingsland episode five. So, with Kingsland, we bring on our guy, Casey Yost uh, from the internet, who, uh, Casey, we run uh, the Facebook group with him. He's been a He's been huge in helping us, supporting our podcast, coming on. And, and we do the, this series about once a month or so where we bring Casey on and we talk about all the takes going on in Kingsland. So, Casey was good. Thanks for joining the show, bro. What's going on, guys? Shake and bake, right? Fitting into that, yeah. that, that same scheme there. No, it, it's great to be on. We were just talking, you know, before we jumped on the show here. It's been a while. So, you know, I know that we've been talking back and forth a little bit on Kingsland throughout the offseason, but, you know, the time is here. We're into the season. We're five games into the season at this point. Um, you know, some through some fans seems like we're we're halfway. We're coming up onto the playoffs with with some of the reactions we've been getting already. But I'm happy to to jump on, talk with you guys again, and and talk Kings basketball. If you are not a uh, a Kingsland group follower and just a Kings cast follower, a little bit about this is that about a year. It's been about a year, Casey. Right? I think last December we 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 started the Kingsland group together. Um, and so what it is is a, it's I think it's the best 
page uh facebook group on on uh on facebook i guess it's it's a king's page where a bunch of fans come in and drop a bunch of takes it's just active throughout the day and throughout the season um we have pretty awesome game threads where people just go on there and watch games and you know make those comments and so um we do this series where we bring casey on and just talk about all the takes from the page and everything going on all the trending uh things in kingsland really and uh i like to bring you on casey because you're you have a big presence uh, like I said, I made the joke on the internet, you know, but you have a big presence on there and I like to bring you on because, you know, it's, it's fun and you, you talk with us and people get to know you a little bit. Um, what has been the tone around Kingsland coming into the season and, and what's been the biggest thing to start off the episode that you really have been wanting to get off your chest? Yeah. You know, I, I think for me, you know, the, the things that I've noticed are, you know, the, the two sides of extremes that, that people come into the season with. Right. So it's, it's either going to be, you know, one, we don't have enough talent. It's going to be a rough year. We're going to be struggling kind of game to game to game. seems like, you know, a lot of people sit in that think we can fight for the play, uh, the play in. And then there's the other side of it, right. The, the people who believe that every young player that we have is going to take five steps forward um, you know, we're, we're going to be a top seed. We're going to be there fighting. And, you know, my biggest takeaway and what I've wanted to make comments on, you know, to, to people in Kingsland is, is just that there's two, you know, two so extreme sides there. Um, and, and we're probably, you know, more likely somewhere in the middle, right? We're, we're going to have a couple of players that are going to take some steps forward, but we're pretty much the same team. You know, what, what I've said to people, you know, throughout the off season is, our roster has not changed that much. Right. You know, I, I think we should expect very similar results with, you know, a couple steps forward in a couple different areas. So, you know, for me, it's been really nice to, to see the, the level of defensive effort and how that has increased, you know, bringing in Christie, bringing in Mitchell, um, you know, that that's been my biggest takeaway so far into, you know, where I've seen the improvement, but it's, it's crazy. The, the extreme opinions on both sides in, in Kingsland right now. And that's, that, that, that's something I wanted to speak to. Is that, is that something you guys have noticed as well? Or, you know, am I, am I kind of looking at that alone? Oh yeah. People get real uh, crazy and they start going leaning one way and Hey, but that's life, man. That's like, that's how it is and everything, right? Like look at our, you know, you don't want to bring up politics, but look at our politics, right? That's just, I think that's kind of a natural thing for people. They freak out yeah. and it's hard to see. It's hard to see the other side. It's hard to see the middle. So um, yeah, dude, that's, that's very apparent, man. I mean, look at the, you know, just on Kingsland, we have the, I hate buddy fan club. Um, uh, you know, we have the deer and Fox sucks and Tyrese Halliburton's our best player and he's untradeable. And, you know, there's all those things that people just gravitate towards and it, they start freaking out. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's very good. Good observation. And I, you know, that's one of the things that bugs me the most. So it, it really is with the winning record, you know, nonetheless too, right. It's, oh, man. It, that, that's the funniest part, right? We, we win a game and then you see, you know, the, I hate buddy posts coming up and you're like, man, you know, buddy was the leading scorer tonight. I think he played pretty well, you yeah. know, he's still getting destroyed. So it's They're, just the, the, the two sides of it are going to kind of stick to that opinion. And that it's, 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 stays it's, true. it's so bad. Like there was a post the other night Kings win and it wasn't the game winning. It wasn't the game winner game. Um, I, forget, I can't remember all the games start blending together anyways, but somebody, somebody posted, uh, I know we won, but that felt like a loss. Oh, it was the Pelicans game the other night. It felt like a loss. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, 
Like it's the NBA. Like, what are you talking about? The Kings covered the spread. Like they won by four. Like, what are you tripping about? You know? So it's just, it's that right there, you know? And it's like you said, the expectations of people think guys are going to make this jump and they're going to, you know, overnight. And it's like, no, it's, you know, it's baby steps, man. Sacramento has to learn how to win. Right. They gotta, they gotta learn how to, how to be professional uh, players in the NBA and stuff. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to point that. I see that stuff all the time. It drives me nuts, man. Well, you know what? I, I always like to have theories on why shit, comes out the way it does or why it lands the way it does and um you know one thing i noticed about kingsland and not just kingsland it's really the internet it's it's twitter it's facebook it's it's pretty much anything out there is that um people well you know it's hard to really read between the lines when through text right and people don't know how to uh really articulate what they what they're saying right it's very difficult to do that in short sentences and, and some things like, okay, you know, there's people on there who take the time, like Matt Mossman, big shout out to, hey, Ryan, shout out to Matt, though. That guy really has been supporting Kingcast. We we do appreciate you, Matt. Um, and, you know, he takes the time to write out his thoughts. Uh, Viggy takes the time to write out his thoughts, you know. But a lot of people, generally, we're not doing that. It's it's, it's it, little exchanges back and forth. And and when you do that, it's it's you're taking you're taking a stand. You know, um, and I do want to talk about Buddy with you guys, but there was a Ryan and I, you know, we have been very consistent about where how we feel about Buddy. And and so, and lately I've noticed people, somebody commented to me and they said, well, you you know, we said, oh, the I hate Buddy fan club. Buddy can do no right. And someone said, well, you're you're now the whatever club of Buddy can't be criticized. And they said, no, I said, you guys are so far extreme that just being like in the middle now just looks that way, you know, and that's literally what happens on the Internet in those exchanges. <clears throat> it really is that is that like, you, you know, you you say one thing about a player, you if you're a fucking hater, if you say, say one thing supporting a player, you fucking love them, right? That That's the polarization. There's no middle. And that's why coming on here and talking, I like to do Kane's guests is it allows, uh, you know, Ryan and I to do that. Yeah, and I, I you know, I think we all fell into that same realm with Holmes last year, right? And, and talking about kind of right-sizing where he should be paid. And for us to say, you know, he should be in the 8 to $12 million range, we were the side that, you know, was on the, the hated him, you know, team, everybody else that liked him wanted to pay him a max. So now I, I think that's a great point, you know, just trying to provide a little bit of perspective based on what we're seeing uh, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. That, valid, that, that validation real quick with Rashawn Holmes, man. Anytime we get to bring that up, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take that anytime that I get to say, I told you so on that one, uh, yeah, so th- thanks for bringing that up, Casey. That's the first time you brought it up since the season started. So, yes, for all you people, we did call, like, pretty – within, like, a million dollars, the Rashawn Holmes deal, so you guys can all eat one. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Buddy Heald, I want, I, let's have a conversation about this because it's, it's a topic that won't go away, you know, and um, I, I don't know – I do know what it is, actually. I do know what it is, but I guess it still baffles me. You know, the, the, the crazy hate form. I got it. We got to always give credit, Ryan, to our friend of the show, Chris B, because he did coin the term. I hate Buddy Hill fan club. Chris, Chris did coin that. And it's what the I hate Buddy fan club is. It's this group of people on Kingsland that no matter what Buddy Hill does, it's it doesn't fucking matter. Like it, it literally doesn't matter. Like Ryan cited the game the other day. And anytime he does one thing negative. That that's what he that's what he is, you know. Uh, people like to blame his turnovers, although his turnovers are within, uh, you know, a point something of Halliburton, Fox, 
Barnes. Um, they like to bring in his inefficiencies. He's a he's a three point shooter, so obviously his field goal percentage isn't going to be as high, you know. And clearly, I mean, fucking clearly, the NBA has moved towards that, and the Kings are cool with him taking those shots. I mean, if he's been doing it for five years. It's like, yeah, they, they want him to do that. He's being coached to do so. So, you know, the, I think that that people can't wrap in their brains, and that's where it comes from. Um, but I feel like it's gotten even more extreme um, this season just because in the few games he has, he has played pretty decent, you know, and people can't accept that. Uh, what's your th- what's your theory, Casey? Like, what do you what do you think it is? Is it the money? Is it the is it just him? Like, is it what is it? You know, I think fans always, no matter what the situation is, right, there's going to be somebody that receives, receives some blame that we're not 82 and 0. You know, we, we could win 80 games and because we don't, you know, win all 82, there's going to be somebody that gets blamed. And I think on the Kings, you know, over the last two or three years, those people have been Marvin Bagley and they've been Buddy Healed. So, you know, Marvin has not really been in the rotation. It's hard to blame him you know, when things go wrong. So I I think a lot of that just gets put on Buddy. And he had always been somebody, you know, because he makes a timely turnover, because, you know, he's not shooting the best percentages has been somebody that, you know, gets the blame there. And, you know, I've been somebody that, that, you know, blames him a little bit. I think you guys have, have defended him, you know, to, to the point that it's a little bit further than where I have, you know, I'm willing to trade him. I was willing for him to be involved in, in off-season conversation, but you know, at the same time, I'm, I try to be somebody that says to ignore the benefit Buddy provides us. You know, would be foolish, right? You know, being able to be out there, make it so people have to guard the three-point line, opens up lanes for everybody else. You know, part of me wonders that his lack of playing with Fox and his minutes going down a little bit, coming off the bench. I wonder if that has affected Fox and, you know, his ability to get to the rim and the spacing that's provided. So I don't think a lot of people think about those kind of things and those kind of, you know, effects that it has on the game. And, you know, that's, that's why he gets a lot of the blame because you look at the percentages, you look at the turnovers and timely turnovers. That's what people care about. At least, you know, a lot of people online. Yeah. My, my whole, you brought up, you know, that we were unwilling to trade buddy healed and, um, yeah, I, I we were at, we were for a moment because I think we foresaw you know like you how bad Sacramento is at three point shooting how bad they are they're horrible Sacramento is a horrible three point shooting team and if you take Buddy Hield out of that equation they get even worse you know and I I really think that Darren Fox needs someone like Buddy Hield around him um, to to cover up his deficiencies and um, you know, everybody thought, Oh, look at Halliburton. He shot such a great three point percentage last year. And was, you know, a lot of Halliburton's threes were wide open opportunistic shots, right? He's not coming off screens. He's not running baseline to baseline like buddy does. If you watch buddy, he's a madman. He runs around the court in circles. The dude's in great shape and, and he gets his shots. And um, we, I just think that's super, super valuable to the Sacramento Kings and it's showing early on in the season. Right. You, you take Buddy Hield out of the equation this year and Sacramento maybe has won one game. And that's 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 honestly they, they, they win that Portland game, maybe. And that's it. Outside of that, I, I don't think Sacramento is very good without him. I think he's super, super important to the Kings. And um, until they can bring in more shooting, you got to keep Buddy Hield. You know, the, like Eric said, the way the NBA has went is it's three point shooting league. 
And uh, when you only have one three-point shooter on your team, you know, you can't really let that guy go. So, um, yeah, there's my two cents on that. And it's not like you guys, you know, don't see the negatives that come with Buddy too, right? You guys get that, you know, there are defensive breakdowns every yep. once in a while. You get that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't always make the best decisions with the ball, but it's about understanding where else the impact comes from and what not having him, you know, would relay to the team. And I think that that is the best argument against anybody that's really hating on Buddy is, you know, just tr- try to take a second and understand what other effects that he might have on the team outside of a bad defensive rotation, outside of turning the ball over every once in a while. You know, look at the bigger picture. It comes, it's the lens in which, that's my theory, right? It's the lens in which you look at someone because people do have the eye for it when it comes to players because they they like, uh, how many times have you heard Kings fans over the years of, oh, the things that they do don't show up on the stat sheet. It's like, okay, so clearly you, you see that you value, uh, you, you value uh, other things that you're not seeing, so to speak. And <clears throat> there's always been players that have been hyped for some reason, fucking Kings fans love Matisse Thibel or the idea of Matisse Thibel. Last year, that was a big, you know, comparing Matisse Thibel to Buddy Hield, and that guy literally is worthless on offense. Worthless. I mean, he's a liability. There's that's the reason why he can't even break twenty minutes because he's worthless. Um, but he is a good defender, so people see that. But they they, they give that same thing with Davion Mitchell. You know, I think Davion Mitchell this year. My prediction is, I, I really, I mean, if you've listened to us, we really like, I, I really like Dave Mitchell like a lot, you know, but there is this truth in that his, his offensive game isn't there and he's not, he's not going to be the shooter that we all want, but we're willing to look past that because of the, his strengths, right? Because when we, I think one thing we try to do is look at each player objectively. That's one thing you really have to look at them objectively and say, this is what they really do well. This is what they don't do well is what they really do well outweighing the other side, you know? And when people, when it comes to Buddy Hill, they re- simply refuse to look at anything he does well at all. It's, it's, they don't even consider it. They look at the negatives. And then um, <clears throat> with Tyrese Halbert and last year, kind of the same thing with Sean Holmes. I mean, you pick on all the players everyone fucking loves. When it comes to Rashawn Holmes, he, he doesn't rebound very well. He, 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 he's not a formidable interior defender like down low, but, but people look at his ability to switch, his ability to, uh, you know, sh- block shots off ball, you know, his, his push shot. They love, they love that, and they put all of their weight into that. And I think that's really what happens with Buddy is, is that impact. And you brought that up, KC, and I've been posting on Kingsland. I posted in our group chat. It, was, it really was like, you know, is there a correlation between Fox's struggles and his lack of playing next to a real sharpshooter? I mean, really, that that's that's something that plant that seed, Kingsland. When you watch the game today and this week, look at look at that. I mean, there there is a reason why teams, every good team in the NBA is looking for sharpshooters at the perimeter if they have a a, a dribble drive guy. It's the reason the Lakers wanted to give so much for him. It's 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 the reason that. Um, I mean, pick a bunch of teams, you know, Ryan, t- tons of teams are looking for perimeter defenders to create space. And when you don't have that, it, it, it creates tightness for your guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. People value, like, I'm glad you brought up the Lakers thing, right? People value, they, what they gave Washington for Russell Westbrook. Okay. And people say whatever the hell you want. Russell Westbrook's a hall of famer. Okay. What's well, the first ballot hall of famer. Okay. He, Russell Westbrook's one of the greatest 50 players in NBA history, in my opinion. All right, they were going to give the same value or close to the same value for Buddy Heald. You know, just keep that into perspective of how, how much the NBA values Buddy's skill set. 
You know, they're not worried about, you know, those late game turnovers so much They're you know, because they know, hey, buddy's not going to be handling the ball late game. He shouldn't be right. He, that guy should not be having the ball in his hands late game. He should be running around like a madman trying to get open. Um, so just just keep that in mind when you look at that, you know, how much value there is around the NBA for his skill set. That was our thing too. That was the dumbassness of the of of the Kings coaching staff over the last yeah. couple of years. Like, why is that Buddy Hield's fucking fault that he's handling the ball so much? That's the fucking coach's job, dude. Like, like really? Uh, why, why are you ask? Like, Ryan well, that said, goes guy- that, that goes into a whole different. We've talked about that. How bad the lineup was. They had nobody else, right? Like it was. It was all right. They weren't doing Buddy any justice. They were putting him in shitty situations again. Sacramento Kings are the Cleveland Browns of sports now. So it's that's where that was. It was a total failure on on the franchise at all levels for Buddy Heald those first few years. So it looks like they figured it out though, right? It, so far through five games, it looks like we we figured it out. Yeah, and and. You know, I, it, it, it's nice to think that it, it sounds like they had thought this before, too. Right. You know, they, they knew yeah. drafting Halliburton, drafting Mitchell, you know, that they probably had that in mind is Buddy will benefit more if we can have people that can have the ball in their hand where we don't have to rely on him to go out and create. So it's nice to think and I, I like to think that that they've been thinking the same thing as well and that they went out and made decisions based on that. Well, they know basketball better than us. I mean, and that may be hard. It may be the hard truth for some of you people out there in Kingsland, but, you know, they, they do understand basketball. You know, sometimes no, you bullshit. have to. <laughs> bullshit, bullshit. My IQ, I'm Eric. My IQ is higher than everyone else's. Bullshit. My basketball <laughs> IQ. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's why we've kind of defended Luke Walton a bit when people called for him to be fired last year. It's like you can only play, play with the toys that you're given, dude. Like really you have to kind of make that work the best you can. And, and uh, when you have more toys, you can be, you know, what, what's been our, what's been our thing, Ryan versatility lineups. You know what I mean? When you can do that, you can, you could do that. And they haven't had that. So um, I want to, before we move off the topic though, I think it would be only fitting if, if this far into the season, we, we, we crowned the, the current president sitting president of the, I hate buddy Hill fan club. Um, I'm going to give it to Tim Maycock, that guy. Shout out to you, Tim Maycock. You're very consistent. You you, you come at it with a passion. You're a man of principle. Uh, I'm definitely going to give you the the uh, the title currently of of president. So, Aaron, uh, you're going to have to really work a little harder, man, and try to regain that title. Do you guys agree with that or is there any is there any opposition? Yes. Aaron is Aaron is the uh, the vice president. That's what I was going to say. Give him the VP role. And, And Tim, Tim will be, you know. Big Papa. Yeah, there you go. Shout out to you guys that we do pre- even though the, you know, and that's the thing, Casey. Uh, even though we, there's a lot of disagreement in in tongue and cheek, we do appreciate those guys contributing to King's Landing and, and you're free to drop your take. That's kind of been the thing about the page is that you are more than welcome to come on there and literally say whatever the fuck you want, honestly. It, uh, it's just that you got to be pre- that's our theme, right? You got to be prepared to to stand by it without getting all personal and shit and crying easy, about easy, it. Easy, easy, easy. Say whatever you want within community standards, guys, okay? Kingsland likes to get fucking flagged a lot, all right? And, you know, we have to deal with the repercussions of that. So, That's- um, again, I'm going to be, you know, me and Mark Zuckerberg are homies, so, you know, we've we've got Facebook, our, our, our group extended a couple times. So, yeah. community community standards, guys, all right? Yeah. How many times has KC gotten the gotten the uh, the suspension for a week on his account? Uh, um, KC, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know, man. But too much, know, man. That- He's got Zuckerberg on speed dial, man. Yeah, yeah we're, we're close. We're close at this point. But no, I think I think that's like a, a quick comment at, at, at us trying to moderate the page, guys. And 
you know, we, we, we do appreciate everybody interacting in there. We're doing our best to, to try to keep it, you know, good conversation, separate our group from all the other groups that are out there. Um, and so, you know, don't hate us if we remove something. It all goes into trying to make a good group, trying to create good conversation. And uh, me, me and Ryan both, you know, we got, we got Zuckerberg on speed dial. So yeah. um, anything that goes wrong, we'll just call our boy in and he'll help us out. It is, yeah, it you- is true, though. We should tell people that Facebook is, does, they do ban a lot of shit. And we've, we've gotten multiple times. We've been threatened to have the page like suspended or taken away from us on some dumbass shit. Yeah, so they're, it, they're assholes. Facebook's, Facebook's <laughs> a bunch of assholes, man. If you're on Facebook, we shouldn't have to tell you that either. If yeah. you say anything the wrong way, you know, you're getting a missing context. You're getting a, you know, warning. So everybody should know that anyway. And just, you know, just work with us. We're, we're not trying to be dicks. Yeah, on there was, by removing your stuff. If, if it was, if it was up to me, if it was up to me, I'd let you guys call everybody bitches. But you know, <laughs> unfortunately, Facebook's got community standards, people. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it has to be through the messenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> send, send it the DMs up. So uh, I, I, I wanted to talk about the the overreactions, Casey, because that was kind of your initial thing, and and we did nec- we got to unpack it a little bit, but. Um, I really wanted to kind of maybe point out or highlight things specifically about those those overreactions in the in the and maybe what where that's coming from and and what specific takes that you're seeing on that um, you know and and a lot of the overreactions come I would say in the game threads and post game. Someone put on there the other day. I think it was my guy Remy. Uh, I like Remy, dude, because he's you, you've seen him, Ryan. He's like us. He's he's one of the guys on there that's definitely he bets every game. Oh, and yeah. uh, I fucking love that dude. Ryan oh, yeah. and I are big, big talking that. Yeah, he's, he he's, posted, he's always he's always talking about. Hey, did you get that big spread? And so I yeah, did you get the man. spread? Did you cover? And he I did. I on, did hit that. By the way, Remy, just to let you know, yeah, I did hit that. He came on after a game. He's like, "Yeah, I fell asleep late last night. I didn't see the I didn't see the game, and I thought that I lost my bet. But turns out, Kingsland <laughs> Kingsland was just tripping. You know, uh, they actually won, and, and I thought it was funny and. um you know what 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 is it is it is it i think it's the long season the over analyzation of of today uh about everything hinges on every play every game and really you got to look at things in totality you right right casey so let's start the conversation off here as you go into the season you had posted something how long does do you think you need to evaluate a team um so answer your own question right now and maybe talk about why getting crazy over one game or one matchup may not be necessary and and kind of where do where how, how much time do you need yeah and I, you know I posted that because it seems like after three games after five games people have already you know made their decision on whether or not you know this is a good team or this is a bad team so I just wanted to ask people um, kind of what you know their expectation was how many games they need to see and we got a bunch of different answers you know but for me I I'd probably say in order to give a team a good chance and really see how they can perform together I need you know anywhere around 40 games like half a season and, you know, I say that and at the same time, it, it's it's a little bit different for this group. Right. So I, I think we have I, essentially the same team in place. So we got to see them last year. We got to see them this year. There have been some small changes. I'd say because of the small changes, I, I need about 20 games before I'm going to come back and say, you know, this is my take on the team. I think we can win this amount of games. I don't think we can you know, do X, Y and Z. I would need 20 games with small changes to a, you know, kind of continuated roster. So I, you know, my answer for that is 20. What about you guys? 
Well, I would say you say 20 for a definitive answer to really then, then you start dying on hills after 20. Is that what you mean? Um, I, I'm just saying like with a couple small changes to the roster, because it was an existing team, if it was a brand new team with brand new main guys, I'd need half a year, but because it's just a couple of small changes, I need a quarter of a season to see how they're going to make those adjustments. And then I can say, I don't think the changes were enough. We still don't have enough talent or we're good, right? The changes were enough to have us, you know, improve in a couple of different areas that are, get, that are going to make us win five to 10 more games. I think that my answer to be nuanced about it, I would say, is that um, coming into a new season where you have new players, I think you the first 10 to see trends, right? That way you kind of get an idea. And then so the first 10 into the season after that, I think I think 20 game chunks is a, is a good barometer because that's almost that's about a month or so. Um, you know, maybe a little over of games you're looking at from to- over, you know, but coming into the season, I do think the first 10 is, is very important to establish a trend and idea, because if you listened to our, our uh, episode coming into the season, you know, Ryan and I had no idea of what the lineup was going to look like, how minute allocation was going to go, you know, any of the usage for certain players. And so you kind of established that early on, but after that, I do agree with you about 20 games is, is, is a good barometer. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I'm about the same 20 games. Um, you know, and that's, that's barring, you know, like I always bring this up, right. There's always got to be a little asterisk next to it. And that's, that's injuries. Right. So it's, it's, you know, 20 games is a good, is a good, um, a good barometer for that. Uh, that's why we, you know, we always talk about when it's at, you know, people are overreacting after, you know, what are the Kings three and two, and you're overreacting and you're freaking out on stuff. It's like, man, just, you know, give it some time. Right. Typically I would say um, if you wanted to date on that, I always look at, you know, first week of December, where, where, where are teams at first week of December going into that, you know, second full month of basketball. So um, 20 games, December area that that's where I'd go. As long as you don't, as long as you don't fall into a hole right away. Now there is a bit of an overreaction when you fall into a hole. Oh, and five, oh, and seven, you know, like they did for, a couple years ago, two yeah. for 12, you start falling in holes like that. It's like, it just becomes so difficult to uh, gain, gain ground. You know, it's going to take a while. Um, KC let's, let's talk about, you know, you're as we're assessing the team. Um, let's see where you where your head was going into the season, you know, because I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if you know where Ryan, Ryan and I thought the Kings would be a, a, a one through eight playoff team, like not not a play in team team, like a playoff team this year. Um, that's where we thought going in. Um, uh, where, 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 where were you at? I guess. Can we get to it? Yeah, I, I was more in the, I thought we'd be again, you know, fighting for the play in nine or 10, um, you know, the, the changes to the roster this year were really, you know, Davion Mitchell came in for DeLon Wright, um, you know, Tristan Thompson, Al- Alex Len are replacing Whiteside. So for me, like th- those could be improvements, but they're not huge ones. It's hard to, it was hard to gauge who else was going to take step forward. So I figured we were going to be in a very similar position. You know, if somebody did take a step forward, we, we'd be locked into that nine or 10 seed. And if they didn't, you know, we'd be fighting for it again all year. Uh, I thought we could jump in. I thought there was a possibility that we don't, again, depending on health, depending on if anybody takes a step. So that's kind of where I was, you know, as, as we, we came into the year. Um, wasn't committing really either way. We're going to make it or we weren't make it. I figured we'd be in the fight. And I, I still think we will be. I, I think we'll be right around, you know, th- th- that space. Ryan and I had our take because we 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 felt 
I hear what you're saying about, you know, kind of looking at players, but I think we took into account the totality of last season and the roster throughout the whole season. If you look at the Kings, the first, uh, you know, 50, 50 games, maybe the, the roster was totally different for the last 22 or whatever, how many games there was last year. So um, I did, we definitely had to take that into account. If you remember last January, I mean, those, some of those losing streaks literally due, due to the Kings were just burnt out because they were only playing six, seven guys, honestly. And so we felt like having uh, the depth this year throughout the entire season, it would look a lot more like the end of the season, uh, you know, last year than the beginning, which I really think of the Kings last year. I mean, if they had some depth, some real actual fucking NBA players last, last year in December, January, I mean, we're only talking like three, four more games and then the whole season's different. And so that's where we, 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 we have a little more balls, Casey. We said it. I don't know. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> no, I looked at, that's fair. You, you get burned on that take once though. You're a little bit more hesitant to, to do it again. So that's where I felt last year, right? I, you know, I thought we, we could be there last year and I, I just didn't see enough change for me to, to commit to that. So it wasn't like I'm saying, you know, no, we can't be there, but you're right. It's a little bit more gutsy to, to say we're going to make those improvements. I, I didn't have the confidence to to be there with you guys, but I completely get where you're coming from. No, I know you got bet you got you got to bet the average, right, Ryan? That's what we always yeah, say. Yeah, I, King, I the, think what's they, in the Kings' average. Yeah, I think they were they were close last year. You know, obviously, I, I think they were they were a decent team, especially once they made the trades and stuff. And that was with having the Stockton Kings on their roster. You know, so that's where it came down. It was like, all right, we'll get these fucking Stockton Kings players off the team. Fill that with Alex Lynn, Tristan Thompson, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis. And all right, now we're now we're playing some basketball, right? There's you know, there is a huge difference between having Robert Woodard on the court, you know, getting minutes late in the game and having Terrence Davis or, you know, so, um, you know, especially with Darren Fox or Rashawn Holmes or Buddy or HB missed time, you know, so. Uh, that that was my that was the only difference for me. One of the biggest overreactions that we can unpack here has really been this thing on De'Aaron Fox. It's kind of started to brew. Uh, with a big contract comes expectations, I guess, and that's where people are coming from. But I don't know, man. It seems like a very weird uh, hill to die on. On the De'Aaron Fox is is uh, overrated. He needs to get traded type of deal uh, for uh, especially when. A lot of Kings fans' solution is is in as a our young players. You know, Kings finally got a legit guy who could be a superstar and is talented. And and all of a sudden, after five games, they want to all of a sudden fucking say crazy shit about De'Aaron Fox. And I think that's a crazy overreaction, KC. Um, do you agree with us there? Like, where do you stand with that? Like, why is that coming out? Like, what is it? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with you guys, and it's. I think a lot of people are are reacting to it the same way that they would like watching a stock perform over a couple of years. Right. So they've seen Fox's growth, you know, year over year, he's taken steps forward. The moment it dips a little bit in the first five games, it's a panic sell, right? It's a, we got to move on. You know, it's, he, you know, he's in his contract now that we've paid him. He's not going to be this guy. And it, you know, funny enough, we're winning games and, and fans are still that way. You know, whether that comes into they've made a couple of comments in the past about Fox that they want to feel right about now, or if it's like I said earlier, just somebody to blame. But I think it's, you know, where he's been trending, what the expectation was. I doubt there was one Kings fan out there that didn't predict that Fox was going to take another step forward this year. I didn't see very many people say, you know, he's going to level off. The team's going to do better, but his numbers are going to drop. 
you just didn't see that very much. So I think the expectation was going to be continued growth, the same rate that we've seen. And when you don't see that, when you're paying him a max, uh, you know, I guess some fans have had issue with that. But again, right, five games, I, I guarantee you his numbers are going to round out a little bit. He's going to have a couple of games that are, are crazy 40, 50 point games that are going to offset some of these bad ones. And the averages are going to correct probably the same way with HB, right? I'll be shocked if HB is averaging 25 and 10 shooting 52% throughout the whole year. It's the law of averages are going to come into play. Fox is going to have some big ones. HB is going to have some duds um, and, and, and we'll go from there, but no, I'm not, I'm not panicking. Uh, I'm not, I'm not worried. And I, I think he's going to be just fine. Five games is not enough for me to, to freak out and want to sell the farm. The one thing for me that, that is alarming about Darren Fox is um, him playing off ball a lot, right? That, that for me, that doesn't really make sense. And it's not really on him. That's kind of a coach's decision. And the other thing is his fucking free throw shooting still. You know, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I love Darren Fox, man. I think he is one of the best players in the NBA. I really do. Um, best point guards, but it, it, for me, it's really alarming for a guy that gets into the paint and the guy that, you know, is supposed to draw fouls and, and push the pace. Uh, he's still horrible at shooting free throws, like just fucking horrible. And that was something that I thought coming into the year, you know, especially after the preseason and him doing pretty well free throws in the preseason. I thought that was something that'd be corrected and it might be worse than ever. So um, that is the only thing that, that bothers me is if he's going to be a complete liability at the line, um, you know, late games, that's, that's an issue. We saw what it did to Ben Simmons last year, right? Like not being able to shoot a free throw. He's obviously not that bad, um, but there is, you know, part of me that's like, all right, Darren Fox, I'm, I am going to hold you accountable, right? Like I, you, you averaged 26 or whatever a game last year and, you know, we, I come on here all the time and I see you're, you're a goddamn superstar, right? Superstars make free throws, right? Superstars at the end of the game, they, they're the ones that need to close it out. And that, that is something that I'm publicly coming on here and saying, I'm going to hold him accountable for now. Like that is something, you know, if I see him at the late, you know, there's a reason why he was inbounding the ball to HB the other day, right? There is a reason why Darren Fox was inbounding the ball at late at the game. So, um, you know, that's just I'm coming on here now. That's that's something that I am saying. Look, and another point to go on top of that, it, you know, I, I used to play ball growing up. I'm not a professional player or anything. I didn't play that far. I didn't really even play any college at all. You know, little junior college. Um, but missing free throws is like we saw with Ben Simmons, something that affects confidence everywhere else. So you go to the line and you're missing free throws. You know, the confidence you have in yourself when you take the next three or drive and take the next pull up, it does affect how you're thinking throughout the game. And so, you know, I, I, maybe that's going into to Fox's struggles uh, elsewhere too, right? He, he's coming in, his free throw percentage is down almost 10%. He's in the sixties mm-hmm. right now. So, you know, coming out, missing free throws in, in front of, you know, fans on TV, I think that affects the level of confidence, you know, everywhere else as well. So it, it definitely needs to come up and I, uh, I'm it, not quite sure the reason for it. Either. And it, it messes with, you know, it messes with the coaching staff too. You can tell, right. When the other night, when Phoenix had a foul to give Darren Fox was on the court, right. They tried to get, they, they brought him streaking down the middle and they fouled him in, in the lane. Right. And they had a foul to give. He wasn't going to the line. The second that they were going to put us on the line, they had no more fouls to give Darren Fox is taking the ball out. Right. That's something that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And that's something that's, 
for me, I look at that and, you know, hey, it's great. You know, he made the right past HB. We scored, right? I'm not trying to take away from that. But moving forward, you know, after paying attention, that is going to be an issue. And that's something that I just, you know, I wanted to come out and point out to people. And it's like, yeah, you know, you, you want to pay guys $100 million and, you know, I'm going to come on my podcast and say you're a goddamn superstar. You're getting held accountable now. So I think it, for me, valid. For sure. I, I, one of the things we predicted to, for him to take that next step, Casey, because everyone thought that he was going to take a next step. It w- The only thing that he had left to do, we said, was knock down one more three a game and make a little bit more free throws. And that's how you take your scoring from 25 to 29 to 27. You know, without that, he's not going to do that. Um, I think that there is a there is a, a seed I'm trying to plant, a trend I'm trying to start, and it's it's no no more off-ball Fox. Like, that's something that is I don't like. I, I, I don't like it. Um, and I, I, my contributing factor to the reason there's two, that the reason that they use them off-ball, number one really is, I think, the way that Luke Walton wants to coach and create this free-flowing passing offense where everybody's touching the ball and cutting and, sh- you know, that shit. Um, a la Golden State, right? I think there's that and, and trying to fit him in there. Um, and I think the other thing is, is that he's playing a lot of minutes now, which everybody wanted. And it's why Ryan and I last year were, were telling everybody, no, he's playing a lot of minutes next to Tyrese Halliburton. It's the reason why I'd, I'm not sold on Tyrese Halliburton for the next, until Tyrese Hall, Halliburton develops uh, a, his shot, like a real threat of shooting. I don't. I, I'm not sold on him being the best fit out there for next to Fox. I'm just not because he's so he's such a he's a true ball dominant point guard, and with that it it's going to take away from De'Aaron Fox. So it's okay. I mean, clearly the Kings look better this season. They're gonna, but with that you do need to expect De'Aaron Fox to not be a 25 point a game player. You're going to expect him to be a 22 point a game player because he's playing off ball. That's what you're accepting by it, and that's why coming into this year, I just Ryan, I think you feel the same way. It's that I think that it, if you're picking a guard to come off the bench, I would have liked to see him and Halliburton play. Uh, a lot um, separate from each other because of that, because then you they're, they're interchangeable. You're really playing up the skill set of your superstar. And, and it's the same. I don't know. understand logic. I so said, these guys know basketball better than we do, but, but it's, if you have a guy that's an elite in one area, why would you not utilize that to the fullest, especially when he's your best player? It's the same kind of thing they did with buddy where they didn't utilize him correctly. Um, it's just, it's confusing to me. And I, I, you know, as long as the Kings are winning, that's okay. But if they don't and Fox is continuing to play below kind of what his, his stat line has been, um, I think people are going to, are going to criticize, but I think a lot of it is not playing next to a sharpshooter for sure. And, and take and the balls out of his hands a lot. And we had had this conversation, I think on one of the old podcasts that I was on, right? This was, it was a topic that was brought up a lot. And I think I was I was on the the a different side from you guys where you had wanted Buddy to stay in the starting lineup because of this, and you know I think it's a legit reason. Um, but I had always wanted to see it because you know one I thought it would benefit Buddy to come off the bench, um, and it has right. His, you know his his percentages are up, his points per game are up coming off the bench, and then I think drafting Davion made them have to go this direction as well because if. If Buddy was in the starting lineup, then it would be Davion Tyrese off the bench. And I'm not sure that that makes as much sense. Um, but it, it's really just a, a testing of a Fox and Tyrese backcourt, because if, if it's going to be them, we need to know now, you know, if, if this can work or not. So, 
you know, maybe we, we do see these hiccups throughout the year of, about them playing together, but at least we're figuring that out now, you know, rather than a year or two down the road after we've had to make investments into Tyree staying with us. I'd like to see if, if Fox and Hallie playing together in the backcourt is something that can work or not. I'd rather get that answer sooner than later. I think it'll work. I think the thing about off ball Fox though, is he's never going to take that, that he's not going to go that to that 27, that even maybe even 25, honestly, playing off ball Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, there is a real threat to having two guys who can handle the ball and two guys who can create on a pick and roll. I mean, I get, I get all that. If you place value over, you know, having him, you know, Darren Fox have the ball so much, then, then so be it. There is some fair criticism nationally. I know you read a lot of national stuff, Casey and, and Ryan does as well about, you know, comparing De'Aaron Fox kind of to Russell Westbrook's game a little bit and how, um, yeah, Russell Westbrook put up a lot of great stats, but he didn't really elevate his teams to the point where they could have been. And so um, that's fair. That is fair. But, you know, again, the guy is so strong in another area. I don't think off-ball Fox will ever be kind of what – He's never going to be a knockdown shooter, you know, and it's just wasted. It's to me, it's wasting possessions when he's doesn't even handle the ball. He just kind of like floats in space. That's weird to me. I don't like that. You, you know what I say to those comparisons, comparisons of Russell Westbrook. I didn't see Russell Westbrook when he had another dude next to him missing the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, cool. All right. Yeah. Look at Russell Westbrook. You know, like he's like I said, he's one of the 50th greatest basketball players of all time. You can point at his deficiencies. You can point at all the negative things that guy does. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that you wouldn't want Russell Westbrook on your team in his prime, in, in his prime, you're high, right? The, the, the hate for Russell Westbrook is he's making such an astronomical amount of money. Right. And people just, well, he's, he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't move the needle for us, you know, championship wise. Right. If you're going to take Russell Westbrook, if you don't want Russell Westbrook in his prime, you're fucking high. Okay. So, Hey, go ahead. Yeah. Great. Compared to Aaron Fox. Russell Westbrook in his prime, Darren Fox in his prime, if you're going to compare him, is the best player in Sacramento Kings history still. So, you know, hey, beggars can't be choosers, man, right? You want a fucking superstar? Russell Westbrook's superstar. Comparing him to Darren Fox, that's fine with me. I yeah. love the, the championship aspiration comment there. A team that hasn't made the playoff in 16, playoffs yeah, exactly. in 16 years uh, doesn't want somebody because they can't help him win a title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nah, a best Ben Simmons comments. Yeah, I don't see Russ really missing the playoffs when he had, you know, Paul George next to him, KD with him, you know, like you look at Washington last year, fucking went on a fat run at the end of the year, got in the fucking playoffs, right? Like, so <laughs> Russ or Westbrook, I will take that all day long. Beggars can't be choosers when you're the Cleveland Browns of the sports, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It's it's but you know, it's a fair conversation. The criticism is fair, but the the again, to start off the topic, the overreaction, and it's kind of the theme of the episode today, in that you can no longer just be critical of something without going all the way to trade them. You can't be and you can't support someone uh, and and then be you're just totally in love with them. It's it's the polarization, it's it's all that. And there's more nuance to that. And I, I think that that's like I said to to plant the seed of off-ball Fox and watching him and watching how they use Halliburton and, and the, the conversation we had about Buddy, it all goes together. But if the Kings are winning, you know, there's something there, right? You know, and and, and I think the thing is, is that um, uh, what would be good is if the Kings win. It's not really about who gets the credit. And, you know, the, I think there's a group of people that always want, they want the Kings to win, but they want them to win a certain type of way. And if it doesn't happen, that's very specific way then they have a problem with it, right? And uh, that was kind of the thing about Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, he did win. He did get places, but he didn't do it another way. So, therefore, 
you know, negative takes come out. And I think that's the thing right now going on. The Kings are winning, but it's not, it's be, but because you're, they're not winning and De'Aaron Fox isn't averaging 25 points per game, then it's a big problem. You know, um, I wanted to have a conversation with you two uh, about advanced statistics. Cause it's something that Ryan and I, uh, Ryan and I talk about a lot. And I know that you're about KC. Um, it, it, it's a lot of the debates in Kingsland, the back and forths, you know, people like to cite their, their, uh, their position and they neglect certain stats. And um, a big one is, is the plus minus the per 30, whatever, you know, the, what do you, what is that one, Ryan per 100 per, per, per 100 possessions that you know, people love. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's funny because uh, when talking about uh, certain players, it's like, well, I, I cited like Marvin Bagley, like in a conversation in the off season. And it was like, well, you know, his baseline is like 14 and seven. Like that's, that's pretty good. I mean, he does something right. It's like, well, you're only focusing on these little stats. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like throughout NBA history, like points, rebounds, and assists have always been a pretty good barometer on a player's impact on the court. And um, I think it's funny the basketball nerds now who love to use the their little advanced statistics at the end of games to kind of justify their position. It's going on a lot right now um, with on the Kings when you know they make big runs in the second half i, I this one's hilarious like oh Rashawn holmes was plus 17 in the in, at the end of the third quarter of the rest of the game it's like so for 13 minutes maybe 10 minutes he was plus 17 because the kings went on a run i don't so know so, yeah so like else on the court like, like, uh, like i understand the plus minus argument to a certain extent there is something to be said right when you're in a game and you know like, like it was, I, I heard this the other night. Okay. When Steph Curry was off the court, you know, I'm making up numbers here, but it was something like this. When Steph Curry was off the court against Sacramento, Sacramento, you know, was, you know, they, the golden state was minus 12. When Steph Curry was on the court, they were like plus 15 or something like that. Like that, there is something to be said about that. Right. There is something to be said about, you know, you, your best players and, you know, being on the court and you having a, a, a plus rating rather than a minus rating. What really gets me with the advanced statistics, right, is the stuff that does not take into account the totality of the game. Okay, so like you said, oh, from the third quarter on, Rashawn Holmes was plus 17. Yes, it was a whole fucking team. They went on a fat run. Like, yeah, of course. Right. So if you want to throw advanced statistics out there, let's give the totality of circumstances. Okay. And then you look at the per 100 possession, which I think is the stupidest stat in the history of the NBA. Okay. The per 100 possession stat does not take into account fatigue. Okay, it does not take into account who you're playing with on the court, right? It just it just has per 100 possessions. You he, they had this, this, and this, and it's like ah, that. No, no, because guys who play like you know taking you know to account like a guy a six man guy, right? A guy like Terrence Ross, okay, who averages you know 16 points a game but only plays 22, 23 minutes a game. Right, you start doing his per 36 minutes or his per 100 possession stuff, and his stats you, you look at his stats, you're like, Holy shit, Terrence Ross is the MVP of the NBA, right? But in reality, the guy plays 25 minutes a game, and you can't keep him out there any longer because he's pretty inefficient. He goes up and cast shots, he doesn't really play too much defense, right? And he's not doing anything team wise, he's a spark. So that's what really bugs me about those, 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 those statistics, right? There's people just don't take into account what is happening throughout the game, they just say, Oh, I'm going to multiply this, this, and this, and that's going to give me this, right? For all you people who play 2K, all right, you can go on there in your franchise mode, all right, and you can normalize the minutes to, to match the 48 minutes of the game, right? So you only play four minutes a quarters, right, with, you know, Darren Fox, and you drop 35 points in four-minute quarters, 
all of a sudden, Darren Fox averaging 120 points a game. That's what that stat is right there. That's how dumb that shit is. So, um, you know, I understand that advanced statistics do mean something and there, there is something to be said about some stats. Okay. But for that to be the end all be all of everything and you just ignore points, rebounds, and assists, you're fucking high, dude. So, and half you guys can't even tell me how to get those advanced statistics. Actually, I wouldn't even say half of you. I'd say about 2% can tell me how to do the advanced statistics. So if you can't even tell me how to do it, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, look, and, and a quick comment I'll make is, I don't know if anybody knows this about me. I, I went to college for, I got an economics degree. You know, my, my focus in that was econometrics, which is, it's data analytics, right? And, and without context, we used to go in and they would give us a data set on a certain item, right? So we're, we're researching, you know, for example, I, I went to college in wine country, so wine sales, right? And we'd get a data set for how much wine was sold each one over a period of time. Every person in the class would get the same data set and you could create 25 different stories about what happened with that same data set because there's no context that's associated behind it. So my, one of my biggest takeaways from that was data is important. Data is going to tell you what, what had happened. So don't ignore it. But without context, you're going to misinterpret that data probably 50% or more of the time. So you, you need the context. Data without context is nothing. And I think a lot of people look at NBA statistics without that context that you were just walking through right there. So I'm in full agreement. I wanted to add a little bit to that based on, you know, some experiences that I've had, but I just thought what data was so interesting that, you know, one piece of data could give you 25 different things. Casey had to give the educated spin on that for us criminal justice majors <laughs> in college, you know? God damn, Casey. It's always so you... interesting to know. Yeah, I always thought that was a really interesting thing. Yeah, coming out with math, dude. I can only count to twenty because I only have that many toes and fingers. That's that's pretty much where it stops. Yeah, it's it's funny though, but it, it's it ties into the theme again about how people cherry pick one and they highlight one thing that supports their claim. And man, that's that's what it is, man. That's that's what the stats say. Plus this and this and that. And it's like, you know, don't try to overthink it. Don't try to overthink it. Like points, rebounds, assists. They're pretty, they're good. As far as defense goes, it's really tough for most casual fans, which is what we are, to really be giving solid takes when it comes to defense. Um, teams do different things defensively. They head screens, they fucking switch, they don't switch, they honor stuff outside and let stuff go up inside. They, you know, that. They get back on offense quicker. It, it's it, you don't know. We don't fucking know. And, and you know, and, and a perfect. I'd like to listen to the people who do. Uh, the other night on the broadcast, a good example with Buddy is like uh, the Kings. I don't remember the situation. The Kings did something. They somebody left to double. Pass was made. The guy cut, catches the pass. Cuts on Buddy. Okay, this is score. And everybody on Kingsland game thread. Oh, Buddy Heal, fucking terrible defense. And on the broadcast, you know, they're saying. Uh, right there, you know, you know, Alex Lynn did a terrible job of basically leaving his guy, <laughs> giving his guy up, you know, so we don't fucking know. And it's hard for us to really to honestly give that that the real assessment, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think people like to hear one thing or the, it happens one time. Maybe somebody had a bad, a bad matchup and they didn't play a great game. And all of a sudden they're a terrible defender, you know, um, and, and then they use the advanced statistics really to just kind of support and cherry pick their, their position. You guys kind of, you kind of feel that way a little bit. 
hundred percent. Everybody does that nowadays. Yeah. 100% Eric, but I do want to point out, I do know all, so I'd appreciate you if you stopped spoking for me on the podcast. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck my bad, dude. My bad. And yeah. You're, and you know what? You're right. And there's a couple people on the Kingsland out there too. I should really kind of yeah. refer to. I don't, I, you need to go on Kingsland and look next to my name. And yeah. Kings cast Ryan, it says a group expert. Okay. So I'd really appreciate it if you gave me my due. Yeah, there you go. There's your due. Um, man, the, the Kings in the first five games though, they do have winning record. That's good. We looked at the, we looked at the record going into, or the, sorry, the schedule Casey going into the season. Ryan and I were like, it is pretty fucking rough. And I, if they were like four and six or even like mm-hmm. three and seven, I wasn't going to be surprised at all. So thus far, you know, I like it. Uh, if you're listening to this before the 1230 game today, they match up well. They matched up well against Dallas last year. Didn't they sleep them last year, Ryan? Uh, they might have. They might have. Yeah. But it, I, you know, there was it was something that me and you had noticed last year for sure. We've talked on the podcast a couple times that you know S- Dallas has no interior presence, right? Porzingis is softer than fucking shit, right? He that guy's soft, okay? And uh, they they're Luca can't guard Darren Fox. You know, Tim Hardaway he ain't guarding Darren Fox, so. That was our thing. Is like matchup wise, man, they should kill Dallas. Okay, and especially with this new with these new rules where Luca can't be flailing around and getting foul calls, man. Sacramento should take it to him, and I, I I always believe that against Dallas. I just think it's a great matchup for Sacramento's favor. Is Porzingis even playing? I don't mm-hmm. fucking know. That guy's soft as shit, dude. He's been I can't out. stand. Yeah. I cannot stand watching Kristaps Porzingis play basketball. I used to he love is. the guy, dude. When he was in New York, dude. When he was like his first few years. He was mean. He was nasty, dude. He would try to dunk on people. He was taking people in the post. That guy stands 35 feet away from the basket at seven foot two and fucking just casts up threes. It's like, you tall mother, give me that. A couple of knee I, injuries will do that to you. Yeah. Eric, you is get, that, that's how you've been playing after your uh, knee injuries. Oh, Eric, man. Eric. I don't play. Wait, I don't leave the ground, dude. You know, my, my, anytime I do play now, it's, it's, I, I can't even compare it to an NBA player because it's not even that. I don't even leave the ground. It's my shots off, all just form shot. You know, I don't even go past the mid range just because I don't, can't use my legs to get the ball to the hoop. So, yeah, I'm terrible. I, I don't yeah, even yeah. Well, me, me and Eric, me and Eric played together a couple months ago, and I was getting pissed. I forget he's hurt, you know, and we're cutting to the basket, and I'm like throwing it, and I'm like, Eric, what the hell, man? What are you doing? He's like, my knee, man, my knee. I'm not cutting. I'm just like a oh, business, business decisions, business you know decisions. I mean? <laughs> uh, Porzingis is day to day. So there's that uh, Kings are Kings plus five. I might put some action on this after this game, Ryan. Plus five on the Kings. I, I kind of like that. Yeah, know? I'm taking that, too. Yeah. That um, one thing to point out too: the Kings have hit a lot. Are you a betting guy, Casey? We don't really. I used to really. be more. I used to be more, but I, I, I don't really bet. You know, I'll go in and do uh, fan duel lineups every once in a while. I'm more of a you know, fantasy better net nowadays, but I used to go in and do parlays based off teams and, you know, plus minus I always follow it now, but I, I don't put my money on it as much. I don't bet every game because the NBA is, I don't like to, I don't really like to bet the NBA because of the free throws and stuff at the end of the game. It really fucks with the, with, with the, the line there, but I do like to look at them and kind of, you know, pick on it and, and the Kings have hit a lot of unders this season so far. Um, and a lot of it, I would say that, uh, that that's probably a tribute to what people believe is, is improved defense overall. You know, that the game the other day, I want to say, I mean, the Pelicans granted, they didn't have Zion. That's 27 points out of the lineup, but 
I think it was like fourth quarter. They only had 84 points. Um, I hadn't seen that since the 2004 fucking Detroit Pistons. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Like today's NBA though, it's it's crazy to that uh, the amount of points I do get scored. So that's my that's my been my little tip for now. Why you can get it the, the the Kings unders bets. Yeah. So I had a I had a bad beat the other day, right? So first off, I bet I bet the hundred on the plus two ninety for Sacramento against Phoenix. Hit that. Okay, and then um, the next the next day was I did a four team a four game parlay, and I hit on all three except for um, the Brooklyn and the Pacers. Okay, and you talk about free throws, man. Indiana didn't fucking foul at the end of the game, dude. And those fuckers didn't cover. Brooklyn didn't cover, dude. Fucking blew it, man. It was gonna be like four hundred fifty bucks, man. Stupid. So um, betting, man. It, uh, I'm a real degenerate. Real degenerate. Well, we hear you beer, fucking beer cracking last last week, last week's episode, Casey, we were 10 minutes in. Ryan was already two beers deep. He's sitting here cracking and cracking beers. But to his credit, it was a 10 p.m. pod this morning. Uh, we had an 8 a.m. podcast. I don't see you drinking, Ryan. So you're not you've got you haven't gone full blown degenerate yet. You're just getting <laughs> nah. there. You're down. He's at least hiding it in the morning. No, no, no. See, see, I got a plan today. All right. I, I got to <laughs> I drink some water already. I had a coffee. I'm going to hop on the Peloton. OK, I'm going to do a little class on the Peloton. Um, and then I'm going to watch some football. And then later in the afternoon at the one o'clock games, I will start drinking some beers. So um, I got some I got some uh, uh, ribeyes that I'm cooking later on. So uh, I'm not a, I'm not a complete degenerate yet. Just gambling wise, just wallet wise. You know, if, you know, if one day you guys see me on the side of uh, of the 80 out there in Sacramento begging for money, you'll know. The parlays, oh the, par- the parlays, the parlays weren't working out too well. <laughs> oh, Wearing God, his lamb shirt. Yes. Oh God. That's fucking crazy, dude. Um, I want to show a couple support to a couple different areas. First off, you know, we ha- we don't have Tony on, but we do run Kingsland with Tony. And I want to give him a, a shout out. His graphics have been awesome this season. Tony provides the uh the game thread graphics and 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 a lot of other stuff. And I saw he launched his his uh his store. So um, he's selling, you know, shirts on there. I, I've been in talks with him about uh, doing like a, a, you know, selling some Kings cast merch on there, and then maybe even some Kingsland stuff. Um, did you you gonna buy anything from there, Casey? I saw you were kind of sharing as well. Yeah, I plan to. They have some some really cool shirts on there. The one that that caught my eye that I think is absolutely hilarious is kind of the the Sacramento noun shirt, where it's like describing what the definition of it is, and it says basketball hell. I, I, I laughed at that for a couple minutes. I'm like, oh, I, I got to get one of those. But yeah, no, Tony, major props, man. You're doing a great job. If you guys um, don't already, you know, go go check out his account on Instagram. Go check out his account on Twitter. You know, he does a lot more than than what he just does in Kingsland. So if you guys haven't already, go check it out. Give him some support. We certainly appreciate, you know, him coming in and and making Kingsland even better. Um, KC, I saw you put on here. Uh... You know, I, I think that we didn't even get a chance to ask you because that is it is a good topic real quick. It's it's the uh, how the Kings utilize their their rotations going into the season. So that was something that Ryan and I were so unsure about, about what they were going to do and how they were going to play, guys. Um, I think that it's the versatility lineups has been our theme. You know, it's been something we've been calling for for a couple of years. Um, do you think that guys like the the, the rotation as a whole – is it what you expected or is it a little bit different? 
The only thing that's different than what I expected is kind of Marvin Bagley's lack of involvement. You know, him getting 10 minutes a game. I figured he'd be the backup for, right? He'd come in, maybe even one of the first people off the bench, the first big off the bench that could come in for, for Harkless. And that hasn't been the case. Um, otherwise, I think I think it's pretty close to to what I had expected. I, I see that, you know, Alex Len and, and Tristan Thompson seem to be, you know, situational if, if we're playing kind of a bigger big, it seems to, to be Alex Len. And if we're playing somebody that we need to move a little bit more, then it seems to be Tristan Thompson. But, um, you know, it, it's it does align with with what the expectation was a little bit minus Bagley. What about you guys? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty accurate to what I thought. The one, the one person that I thought would play more is Terrence Davis. I thought that there would be, you know, more minutes for Terrence Davis. The bigs kind of worked out how we thought, especially like you brought up situational. Um, I had come on the pod before we played Utah and I was like, Hey, this is, you know, Alex Len got a DNP. He, this was playing tonight, right. Ended up playing like 22 minutes and stuff. So um, that was, that was pretty easy to, to see coming, but Terrence Davis, you know, you pay him, you know, a decent amount and the guy is not really getting run, you know, and I, you know, credit that to Davion Mitchell just being really good defensively. Um, but I think at some point, um, Terrence Davis either needs to to play some meaningful minutes and produce, or you're going to see Terrence Davis on a different team at the trade deadline. So um, yeah. that is what, that is one surprise for me. It's, it, it's a league of opportunity, right? And you yeah. know, I know that he, he's been given some opportunity. I'm just looking through the stats here reason he's not going to get more and he's got to come out and show a little bit something in the minutes that he does get 20% from the field, 11% oh, yeah. from three. Like, but that's, 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 that's the whole Sacramento Kings ooh. roster, right? Any, anybody yeah. outside of Buddy Hill and HB, um, sh- you know, shooting percentage wise from, from the perimeter like that is not very good, but um, no, you're, you, you're, you're right. You know, when you get the opportunity, you need to produce. And um, you know, when you're out there and you and Davion Mitchell both can't really score, uh, they're going to go with the defense and the effort, right? Like that's what making, you know, Davion Mitchell, you know, make yourself available, right? Give, give a, t- give, have an elite quality, right? That teams can't deny you. So um, that's just, you know, that's that it's more of a testament to Davion Mitchell, I think, than it is to Terrence Davis. The one, the one for me and the rotation that I'm not surprised by, because the Kings showed this hand last year. Okay. But it's Mo Harkless. Um, the Kings showed their hand because at the end of the year, last year, they were, they were playing him in, you know, here's the thing. Like, I, I get what the Kings are doing. The NBA, we talked about. We've talked about trends in NBA. So the trend in NBA now is to play lengthy, small forward types, multiple if you if you've got them, and shooters. Like, you want to have those guys in your lineup. So I get what the Kings are doing as far as they want to have Harkless start games, so they have kind of two wings to start off. But, um, you know, let's be honest. Like, Mo Harkless was playing no minutes in Miami before he got here. I mean, like no minutes, you know, and all of a sudden he is a, uh, he's, he's a, he's a staple in the starting lineup. And it's just one of the things that has tr- always trended among the Kings for years is guys, when they play in other teams, it really shows what they really are. And then when they come to Sacramento, they get elevated roles. And that hasn't really always worked out for the best for the Kings fucking clearly you know um and and so i do put that out there i'm not hating on it because i get what they're doing you know and 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 they're limited really on their forwards on their team but i i I mean let's keep it real i mean in today's day and age is is a solid playoff team starting mo harkless 
Uh, probably not, you know, and it is, if he is going to start, he's going to have to produce a little bit more. And I don't put my faith that he is going to produce a lot. So it's something I could see becoming a problem at some point, especially, especially if someone gets hurt, you know, and the rotation changes to this point, obviously it's early in the season. The Kings haven't felt the damage of missing minutes. They felt Harkless missing minutes, but he's the only one. Um, validity there guys, you think? Hundred percent. If the guy can, if if the guy would consistently knock down an open three, I'd be cool with it. But you know, when we're a couple games into the season already, and you have two points, I think he didn't score one game. You know, it's like fuck, dude. Like, you know, it, it's different when it's PJ Tucker, right, on a really good Milwaukee team, and PJ Tucker's a really good defender, right? Mo Harkless. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know, but, and, you know, I'm sure he's a good defender, but the guy's not an all NBA defender for, for, for sure. Right. So uh, it, for me, it's hard to see, you know, like how long do we let this go? Do they, do they try to make a move at the deadline? Do they try to do something for a guy that, you know, I think there's a lot of guys in the NBA who could do what Mo Harkless does, honestly. Um, but it's, it's like at the end of the day, Kings are three and two. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and bitch about it. Right. But if they go, you know, six and 10 for the next couple weeks, then I'm going to be like, okay, maybe there's time to make a move. Right. Maybe there something needs to change. So, and he's going to be the first guy we probably point out. Yeah. I, look, and it, it's, we're five games in. It's hard to really, you know, provide a good judgment. It's, it's, you know, let's, let's see kind of how it unfolds at this point. But I think we all can agree that the, the hole on the roster is at the four. You know, we went talking about, trade targets offseason we were talking about ben we're bringing him here playing him at the four talking about siakam you know could come in and play the four i think it's clearly you know the whole i i get why we're playing him there you know i i, I think that it, it really falls into and something you guys had spoke on was kind of the the flexibility and him being able to guard multiple positions i think that's the thought process we'll keep watching it you know with the uh, jumping back into some of the stats right we'll watch the stats there you know so far the we're a better you know offensive team we're a better defensive team all the way around you know we were 11th in offense last year 30th in defense we're now ninth in offense this year and 24th in defense so you know if we show improvements with him in the lineup then i think that there's some justification there but he's you know he's not the long-term solution we we need a a better four that's the hole and i think Hopefully, you know, we, we try to make a move sometime throughout this year that, that brings in some actual talent there, not somebody that can just guard multiple positions. These thing, Ryan, about uh, when you're a, kind of a, a lower uh, to mid pack in the NBA top of team, you got to zag when everyone zigs has been the thing I said, you know, and, and if you look at the Kings did, they, they good on them that they were a little bit smarter. They brought in multiple big men. And you see it for a lot of stretches. I mean, Mahargas does start the game, but as the rotations go on throughout the game, it's he's not like a staple in there, you know. Um, they they do play a lot of those four guards, and it's not the force. Everyone would talk about four guard lineups. It's like they want to see uh, or three guard lineups rather. Not uh, they 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 like to see you know the the key guys. But there's been a lot of times where it's been like Halliburton, Buddy, and Davion Mitchell uh, with. Alex Lynn. And that's why they had to kind of do that is get the big body inside guy, kind of guard their perimeter. And that's how they've kind of made that up. But um, that I don't, I've not really been supportive of that as your main strategy going into the season, because you're going to face a lot of teams who are really strong on the wing and can get buckets from the wing. And um, you know, that's just, that's just something that 
you know, I guess we're not to nitpick. And like you said, Casey, as long as they're winning, I don't have a problem with it. I just pointed out. And especially when you have Bagley, who is healthy now and in like, you know, you can't get that guy 12 minutes, you know, it's just, eh, it's just something. It's just something to put out there. And I, something maybe Casey, we could look at uh, in the next 30 days when we bring you back on and you kind of see how, how our predictions and the seeds that we planted today kind of trend. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's what we'll have to do. Five games isn't enough to, to provide any kind of good judgment like, like we talked about. So yeah, you know, I'm happy to come back on in a, in another month and see where we're at. Hopefully, um, you know, we're all drinking beer with, with Ryan celebrating where we're at in the season. Here we go. Uh, a couple of things is that people have been asking about uh, doing a Kingsland game. And it's something I've actually been working on. Um, I, I met someone in the Kings box office uh, and kind of spoke to him about it. So as I get more information, I'll put something out there. I mean, it shouldn't be too difficult to do. Uh, his name's Justin. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at B R E U H H H underscore. Uh, if you want information on, on tickets too, just DM me, I can connect you, but uh, I'm working with him to maybe get us a group link. Uh, and what we could do is maybe post that on Kingsland, maybe get in a section, organize something pregame just to get out there. So people have been asking for that. If you're interested, just, just let me know. Uh, and, and you know, maybe motivate us to get that going. I think it'd be fun that we've met some people in person and, and the internet is crazy because it's the back and forth, but I've tell you what, we've met several people from the Kingsland that support the podcast and it's been, it's been really fun. So I'm um, looking into that. And of course, Ryan shouting out Ziggy's. We were able to go to the game, the golden state game with Gus from Ziggy's. It was, it was a really fun time. Um, and we do appreciate them supporting the podcast going in and helping us get those season tickets this year. So I uh, continue to, to, to plug those guys. And then Casey, man, we really appreciate, having you on as always dude uh it's it's always fun to, you know to get you on here and talk kings and and running the page uh you want to plug your socials plug anything before we sign off today i don't know i'm gonna keep it nice and nice and simple i gave tony the shout out i think he did he deserved it but um you know you guys as well appreciate you know your help in getting the page running and uh it's gonna be a great year so if you haven't joined, if you know, if you listen to the podcast, aren't in the group, take a look at it, guys. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, encourage you to join. Cool. So, hey, guys, appreciate listening in. If you ever want to interact or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find Ryan and I on Twitter and Facebook at Kingscast Eric and at Kingscast Ryan. And we are very active on our group, Kingsland. So check that out. Um, and then we run that with KC and Tony from Cap City Crown. So uh, Kingsland, I believe this is episode five, down and in the books. Thank you guys for supporting us. So with that for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Thanks. This episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's headiest smoke shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory. Thank you.